like to point something out if I could. I, I, there's something that I would kind of like to let sink in. If you can't do that here, I'm not sure where you can do it. Uh, right? If our episodes, if the episodes of this podcast were Spartan soldiers, <laughs> Leonidas would now have... Leonidas. 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 Leonidas DiCapriosis. Would now have his army. <laughs> so at what point do we get slaughtered and send one messenger off to... No, no, it'll all be fine. This is going to play out different. It'll play out different. It'll all be fine. It'll all be fine. Sure. 300. 300 indeed. 300 episodes short. And uh, I'd say a winding path to get here. Do the intro and then we'll break it down more. Okay. Hello and welcome. Welcome, welcome to the Movie Man Podcast. I am Peter. My... Ancient Greek history referencing slash mid-2000s movie referencing co-host is Brady. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, 300 episodes. And, I like, what a diverse road we've taken. I'm not even talking about, like, COVID and the growth in our show. Well, you had to just- bring that up, huh? You just, you couldn't... <laughs> Couldn't let bygones be bygones. You're like, uh, <laughs> well, how, can I, how can I really celebrate 300 episodes? Well, let's talk about the um, plague of the 21st century. Sure, let's go. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking of how we've got here. Like, we've got our bread and butter, our voting options, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun to let the viewers just have their voice. Mm-hmm. It's a fun component. Another aspect is our new reviews, mm-hmm. um, our newer to the scene but i'd say equally as relevant is our movie news segment with you and carl Mm -hmm. um all our guests that we've had on i won't list them all but just the diversity of uh crew that we've had of you know emily and uh aaron and carl and (laughs) the diversity that we've had you name husband and wife (laughs) all these different people we've had there's emily her husband. And there's Emily's husband. <laughs> uh, we got, you know, Marshall, the regular on the show. We've got... Uh, All the times uh, that Carl was just a guest? There is. Now he's uh, an employee, but he was a guest. See, that's what and- happens. That's what happens if it's... That's the danger you run. If you're a guest too many times. Right. You just start being on the payroll. Except yeah. not getting paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and even just like different interviews we've done, our most uh, recent one with uh, Alan Unger, and just all the different things, all the different components. You know, it's not just the same thing each week. It's a lot of different varieties and spices of not just the films we're reviewing, but the topics we're covering. So I think it's yeah. kind of a fun, and it's been an organism. It's a fun road we've taken that really now it's starting to take shape that we've got this kind of tapestry on the wall and all the pieces that are together. But it kind of just started with like a thought and then we kind of kept growing it and then did some different stuff and changed things as it needed to be changed. And and here we are. And, and we're probably going to change some more and that's okay. That's just the way things work. And it's it's fun. Yeah. It's, you know what, I, I've said this like several times, but I think it's worth at 300, looking back on 300 episodes. Um, I guess that's not true. Looking back on 299 episodes. That's true. It's worth just pointing out 
how against the odds <laughs> this partnership has been. <laughs> yeah. How strange a, like, just the planets aligning, <laughs> you know, like, it, it just strange. Strange that the two of us who truly did not know each other. <laughs> like, I would say, I would say when we started this podcast, we were maybe good acquaintances. Right. <laughs> or possibly, like, third-tier friends. Like, whatever the <laughs> lowest, like, yeah, well, you know, we weren't, like, I don't know. We weren't, like, like, did you... Were you at, I, and I'm going to sound like such an insensitive dick here. <laughs> were you at my wedding? No. I was. Oh, I you was. were? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But, I, but I, I would say. But not the reception. I, yeah. No, I was there for that too. Oh. See, I broke in. Broke that's on how, in. That's how little of friends we were. I don't remember <laughs> you being at my wedding. Well, and the thing is, I feel it spoke to our relationship because like, I think that we were maybe on the fringe of like, you know. If it if your wedding had been six months earlier, maybe I wouldn't have made the list because I was sure. kind of newer in your life, and and I think it also spoke to it too that like I knew more people at your wedding than I really knew you, so I think that spoke to like we would never hang out. No, it would we just, just had like, a lot of mutual friends. Yeah, so it's yeah, I, yeah. It's, it was just the tale of the tide of that, or isn't the tale it, of the times. Isn't it so funny that like even if I hadn't gotten married when I did, if I had gotten married like six months, like I would, I would say you, you kind of like bi- would have maybe just made the cut with the wedding, <laughs> right? Like, had yeah. it been a tighter, had it been like, oh, we need to invite. 20 less people right you probably yeah. wouldn't have been there probably and, not and but what's so funny is like even if even if the timeline had not been when i had gotten married even if it had been when we started the podcast like six months before we started the podcast you would have still been in that same bracket of like <laughs> you know but i don't know who knows right. but six months after that and this just goes to show you like what a difference a year can make Oh and yeah, especially when you're podcasting. Is had I gotten married six months after we got in the podcast, you probably right. would have been in like conversation for groomsmen, because it would have been <laughs> right. like, well, I I don't. We talk every week. We have you're this right. thing together. Like it's actually true. I don't know. It's it's funny that like we hardly ever see each other. No, right? Not near as much as as I think both of us would like to. Mm-hmm. Um. And, but like when you really get down and, and so as a result, because we're not like hanging out and sharing beers and having barbecues and going bowling and whatever people do, (laughs) it's like, sometimes it's just like, I don't know. I've had these moments where I'm like, I guess Pete is like one of my best friends. (laughs) It's true. He's, I've, I talk to him more than I talk to any of my other friends on like a, a scheduled week to week basis so and, yeah it's just and it's so kind of funny because we still are so polar opposite oh yeah and yet on so, like it still fuels the fuels the fires and sometimes That's the chemistry still align it's the chemistry that makes it work like you know right. so we, we were talking about carl being more of a, a piece <laughs> of regular furniture within the movie men now right <laughs> and um and 
that did that was that i didn't mean that in like a derogatory <laughs> he's a regular fixture he's a part of the part of the mm. crew um but our show is just like carl and i have a very different dynamic right because oh, we yeah. align on a lot of things and we you know there's some things that we disagree with and and blah 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 but it's just a different chemistry and mm-hmm. so like yeah something about something about our yin and yang <laughs> really is it's the bee's knees you know <laughs> The bees, Snickers, yeah, yeah, three hundred. Well, what could we possibly talk about that would be worthy of three hundred? Lost in translation. <laughs> we discussed it. Let's talk we, about the things we discussed. Let's build yes, up to this. So we sure. talked about lost in translation. Yeah. Ultimately, we kind of decided Brady doesn't have anything to say other than. <laughs> the film sucks <laughs> like it just wasn't gonna it wasn't like it, it wasn't was, gonna fuel a conversation lost in translation wasn't a question that either of us needed answered not at this point anyway not at this point like you know how i feel about it i know how mm. you feel about it yep and so will we visit it at some point i'm i'm almost positive we will um yes. but it just didn't yeah. feel momentous enough it didn't feel mm. right like this big thing. Okay, so uh, what else is there? Well, we've been batting around the idea of Back to the Future for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we still will, but logistically, it was kind of like, well, we got to record this episode remotely. Back to the Future could be like a fun in-person, let's watch them all, let's review them all mm-hmm. kind of thing. Maybe get some guests involved. And it just wasn't like, you know, it just didn't. Yeah, Back to the Future just what also wasn't something that, like, I think you and I have been talking a lot about Back to the Future and doing Back to the Future. I don't know that we vocalized that on the show. No. All that No, much. I don't think so. No. Not, it was kind of on the periphery in the background, so. Yeah. Yeah, no. didn't have the foundation. And then we were maybe talking about doing The Room, the Tommy Wiseau Room <laughs> because, well, for several reasons. One is because the Bob Odenkirk remake is around the corner. The other is I'm just jonesing for a view. <laughs> jonesing for a view, but also it's like it may be the first film we ever watched together. <laughs> Which is saying something. It's, it's either that or Back to the Future is the mm-hmm. first film we... I, I, I wish I knew the timeline. I wish I knew which I it was. I think I can but... guarantee it was Back to the Future. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Based on, like, just because. <laughs> I just remember where I lived when we watched The Room, and I remember oh. where, uh, just, like, No, you lived where you live the, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so okay, the room so you're saying second. you lived somewhere different when we mm. watched Back to the Future? Yeah. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. see, and I, I have no, I don't know that place. I never saw yeah, that place. It was the so. Bat Cave. The Bat yeah. Cave. Yeah, okay, interesting. So, ultimately, we asked ourselves, well... What is a question we need answered? What is something we've <laughs> talked a bunch about? What is what feels like a movie men milestone? And ever since we did our top movies of 2010s. 2010s. Was that was that what the episode was? Yep. It top was 10 a, movies of the last 10 years or top no, 100 top movies 100. of the last 10 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. Which I guess we would have done the, like in December of 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it was like looking back on the decade. Okay, okay. Exactly. And something that was on there, 
And I don't remember how high up on the list it was or, you know, what the... I, I do. Know. 14. Do, oh, it was what? 14. 14 out of 100. The 14th greatest film, according to this list, um, was Paddington 2. And you and I had each seen the first Paddington. And I think yes. we were both equally dumbstruck <laughs> by this. We were yeah. both like, I... Excuse me? Excuse me? Yeah, okay. And then we just mm -hmm. kind of like moved on, I guess, because what the hell else are you going to do? <laughs> but the idea that Paddington 2 has got all this fuss, it's got all this hype, has been a reoccurring topic for mm -hmm. us. And so it felt right, I think, mm -hmm. to sit down and finally not approach this like movie reviewers or critics or fans... <laughs> But you enter this arena mm -hmm. as detectives, as sleuths, to go in and forensically figure out who's who is and who is not full of shit here. Because somebody, <laughs> somebody must be. Because you know what? The first Paddington, I don't know, it was cute, but it was like. Of course. I don't know. Top it was like, kind of like worthy? a dime a dozen with the other yeah. animated. Yeah, right? And so yeah. Paddington 2, like what? the heck could it have been mm -hmm. so we're here we're gonna talk about paddington 2 we're gonna spoil the hell out of it so <laughs> you know if you haven't if you if you don't want to know who dies and who doesn't die and who's having an affair with who and you know whatever all the nitty-gritty details of paddington 2 mm -hmm. uh then maybe click away but if yes. not thank you so much for not only joining us right now but for for several years, for for yeah. four years and three hundred episodes of mm -hmm. of podcasting, four years, <sighs> twenty nineteen, like, man, four years in two weeks. <laughs> what? Oh, yes, yeah, 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 yep, yep. Yeah, we're approach. That's the other thing. We're approaching the end of the four year anniversary of the podcast. Mm hmm. Nuts. Yeah, that's wild. All right. Man. Initial. Do you have trivia, or should we just do initial uh impressions? Yeah, so it'll be mostly rapid fire stuff. The end, okay. it's like it'll be a quasi like, do you know this? And if you don't, then I'll just sure. share okay. with you. All right. Um, I thought this was of note. Some okay. Sally Hawkins, who was mm -hmm. obviously in this film. Yeah, I love Sally day, Hawkins. <laughs> one day after completing her demanding underwater scenes for The Shape of Water, which was also in 2017, she yes. flew from Toronto, Canada to London, England. In order to begin production on this movie, only to find out she would shoot underwater scenes in this movie as well. <laughs> Sound of a gun. <laughs> um, of note, mm -hmm. writer and director Paul King yep. dropped out of the 2017 film Wonder in favor of making this movie instead. Oh, see, and that's another one of those nuggets of information that you're just like, my God, really? <laughs> Why? What about this movie? Yeah, okay. So so just to peel the layers back a bit, Carl and you, I have not seen it, so I didn't really partake in this conversation, but you both shared that Wonder is not only like a good movie, but like metaphorically tear-jerking and messes you know, well you up, done yeah. and messes you up. Yeah. So my question is I don't think that made the top 100 on our list or on IGN's list. So I'm curious if uh, at the end of this review you're upset 
that Paddington 2 was on this list and Wonder was left off. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, in early 2021, another reason why we're just asking the what, whys, and whens of this film. In early 2021, this movie beat uh, Citizen Kane, which is obviously an iconic film, is one of the greatest films of all time, according to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, you know, ranking Scores. systems and scoring yep. metrics. So, uh, you know, Citizen Kane, again, nothing to sneeze at. Filmmakers and film pundits alike, you know, pra- sing its praises. And from a ranking perspective, this movie pushed it aside. Interesting. Is, okay. You know, the last thing that I'll just ask whether you know it or not is, I just found this interesting. Okay. Uh, Sally Hawkins, I feel as a face as an actor that I just instantly recognize. I'm like, oh yeah, Sally Hawkins, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And when I start looking at her filmography, and I don't mean this as a slight, I just look at all the films she's in, and I really, like, there's not a ton that I recognize. I know, I don't go, oh, of course, that's what I remember her from. Like, I just right. look at them and like, oh yeah, she's in this, I've not seen it. And Yeah, you mentioned Shape of Water. Yeah, things like that, but... Uh, regardless, she has a face that's familiar to me. And I was looking at her filmography, and I just got a kick out of this. Do you know what the first item was on her filmography? I do. You do? I do. I do. Please. Yeah. Please. I'll, I'll, in, lead it up. Uh, I'll, I'll lead it up just for like the viewer, just in case they don't know. Okay. And so you'll give the answer, but I'll say, what iconic film series is the first ballot or the first item on her filmography list? And it's 1999, which is worth oh. noting. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, she is. And I mean, keep in mind, I don't even know if it's this is technically a credited role. Like, I this don't is think not, it is. This is not a is. speaking role. This is like a in the background as an extra Chim- type Chimney of thing. sweep number four S. Yep. Uh, but she's in The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. yeah. What a thing to cut your teeth on. <laughs> I no kidding, eh? Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking about giving this acting thing a try. I think I'll do Star Wars. I think I'll do <laughs> probably right. the most anticipated Star Wars film of all time yeah. at that point. Honestly. Right? Everyone was like, oh my God, we're getting more Star Wars. Like, yeah. And, and I mean, this is a, I would love to have a whole podcast episode in that because you could make maybe the argument for Return of the Jedi just because of where Empire left off. But the time gap was only two or three years. So we're not, you know, Phantom yeah. Menace was a good 15 or 20 years yeah. of building anticipation. Interesting point uh, about that. She was in the, um, wasn't she in the newer, she was in the newer Godzilla films, I think. You might be right. And she's in the upcoming Wonka movie. Mm, yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Yeah. Oh, man. You don't know about this new Wonka movie? No. Oh, like Willy okay. Wonka. The Willy Wonka movie. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. For some reason, I thought you were saying like Wonka, like W-O-C-H. So, and it's worth bringing up because there's actual, actually several items of crossover here. But mm. this new Wonka movie, I am so excited for this thing now. It's coming out this year still. Hmm. Right. Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> Hugh Grant, Keegan-Michael Key, Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson. Oh, geez. Ooh, like this cast is like, I'm, I'm, I'm so freaking excited for it. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Do you have more? Or that was it? That was kind of... That, that was it. That was it. Okay. Initial impressions. Listen. I went into this so critically. It's. I, I feel like I need these disclaimers. I need to admit that I went into this film very critically. Very, like, ready to pick it apart. Not because... You know, that's a fair thing to do to movies and not because it's a children's movie or any of those things, but because of this, because of what's been said of it. Yeah. Right? Because of the title it boasts. I'm like, well, okay, I need to, I'm not going to, I I will not be lenient and, and I think I've stood by that and I'm not going to be lenient at all. So it's worth, that's worth disclosing. Um, I'm very skeptical. I went in very dubious. And I will tell you that from the start of this film until the end of this film, this movie did absolutely nothing <laughs> to convince me <laughs> that it is not entirely charming, wonderful, and a, a fantastic film. That, I was that was, I was the entertained. Roller coastery description. <laughs> I, I was like on I was it enter- off I had to build hype. I had yeah, to build yeah, suspense. Continue. Yeah. Continue. Uh it's entertaining. It's charming. I find myself laughing in moments that like actually like just like chuckling and grinning and like things made me laugh. It's funny. It's emotional. It's it's just uh, it's better than it has any right being. And we can get into like the different aspects and elements of that as we as we go on. But yeah, Paddington 2. I don't know, like, one of the greatest films ever made. I don't know 14 out of 100 in the course of a decade. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I also don't... Like, if you were to say right now, okay, then name 14 better films from that decade, I couldn't off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I couldn't go, okay, well, easy. There's this and this and this and this and this, and those are all definitely better. I I don't know. I really don't know. It's it's high up there, in my opinion. So I'm pleasantly shocked, very surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I truly adored this. There's a couple of little nitpicky things I'll talk about because, like I said, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not being lenient. Yeah. Um. But but what a journey today! And I would watch it again. <laughs> I'd hands down watch it again. Yeah, yeah. What's what is your initial impressions? This is the scary moment. This is yeah. where we determine what the dynamic of this episode is going to be. Because <laughs> you didn't know my opinion. We don't confer ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I think. I don't know what you think. So now that you know what I think, we could either be in line here or this could be a me defending Paddington 2, which is never a thought a, never a position I thought I would be in, but I'm prepared. <laughs> <laughs> What a time to be alive. Um, Yeah, I'm curious to break down some of these um, finer points with you. And unless you have a better way to break down after my initial impressions, the way I broke it down was great moments, top 100 worthy, 
and underwhelming moments, how did it get to top 100? Like, I feel like that's a way to break it down. And depending on how many are in each category would obviously be the indicator of how I felt about this film. Uh, But yeah, you know, you hyped it up. IGN. Now, I'm not sure if it said it was the 14th best. It was the 14th of the films they gave. So, you know, playing Hill's Advocate, they maybe just said, here's a hundred great films. Yeah, in no particular order. No particular order. And, you know, know, that is still a pretty big claim. You know, a hundred is still a big deal um but yeah i could definitely name some films from the 2010s right off the top of my head that i like better than this and i'm not just you know that that's just because i there are films i'm more passionate about but so ign hyped this up even in pop culture this film has just a reputation um i i've watched i'm not sure if you've watched it yes yet but the unbearable weight of massive talent there's a scene. Uh, yeah, I recommended it to you. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Nicholas Cage, the self-referential yeah. Nicholas Cage movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I scene. watched it in. I can tell you, I watched it in the <laughs> first or second. I watched it in the first two weeks of May last year. <laughs> I know where I was when I watched it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had a bus stop in Puerto Rico. Yeah, and I think it was. I think it was the same. Was it the same night I watched Pig? It might have been. I think oh, I was on like a because sex? I think I watched Pig. I wow. was mem- if you remember, I was feeling real down, mm-hmm. and I needed yes. a distraction. And pigs. and so then I watched Pig, and you cried. And then I was borderline suicidal. And so then I was like, <laughs> okay, I need something. So then I stayed up super late mm-hmm. and watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, so that I could like at least try to go to bed with a smile. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Same night. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in that film, there's a sequence between Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage where they're they're talking about films, and Pedro Pascal brings up um, Paddington too that it's one of his favorite films, and he says, "I cried throughout the entire thing. It made me want to be a better man." And then after they watch it together, Nicolas Cage is in tears, and he goes, "Paddington Two is incredible." And you know, I. As a side note, I felt like that was kind of meta because in Paddington 2, there was this kind of national treasure-esque book it had, story. Yeah, it treasure had a treasure hunt. hunting. Yeah. But the point is, whether it's IGN, whether it's modern day films, pop culture references, there's yeah. something about this film that is just hitting with people. And I actually didn't mind it. I don't think I loved it as much as maybe the way you're saying. Um, I think I'm right in the middle. I think it's fine. I'm not sure if it's top 100 of the decade worthy or even okay. top 20 of the decade worthy. Um, I think for a kid's movie, it is a lot. It's It differentiates, it separates itself from a lot of kids' movies. And we'll get into that with some of the great things about this movie. Just for like color palettes and just different visuals, It's it does a lot more than most kid movies would would try and, and try and do. So mm-hmm. I think it's has some good elements. I think overall it's just kind of in the middle on the fence. But, you know, for something that's so self-aware, even just all the lines of, like, you know, never bring a gun or never bring a knife to a gunfight and some Home Alone 2 voice recorder shenanigans. Yeah. I There's a lot of fun in this, I will say. And you know what? Ben Winshaw or Wishaw, I would... I want to check out like an, an audiobook app and any book he he narrates I would be interested in listening to. So yeah. all these things combined it's a decent film. 
I don't I don't know if it's amazing, but it's okay. decent. It's okay. decent. I mean, he was one of the better parts of the Mary Poppins sequel, I thought. Um he, maybe the only good part of the sequel. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Lin Manuel Miranda fan, but I wasn't crazy about his character. Yeah. So, that's yeah. Kind of here. Yeah. Um <laughs> listen, I've got a hot I I've got a hot take. Mhm. And I, and I wasn't sure when to present this, but I think it's it's worth presenting now. Actually, I have two hot takes. One is um one is a is sort of a reference to to what you said about the Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal thing. And the other is whether or not I think it belongs in the top 100. Um oh. so the the reference the hot take that involves the Pedro Pascal thing. When this film ended, like the ending of this film, when the credits rolled, yeah, I wasn't like there weren't tears running down my face, but I was teared up. Hmm. My eyes watered. So that's, it's a side note, like just as a piece of film, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the other, so does it belong in the top one hundred? Are there films that I can think of? Because I said I wouldn't be able to think of 14. Can I think sure. of films 14's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Can I think of films that I would say the argument is there, that they're better than this one? I mean, sh- like the first thing that pops into my head is something like Interstellar, right? Hmm. Interstellar being this like iconic, really masterfully put together film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so things like that. Law for me, the first three that come to mind: La La Land, Whiplash, and The Great Gatsby. But okay, they're in so, my okay, top so ten of all time. So, so there you go. Those three. What I will say is that a film like Interstellar, a film like La La Land, a film like The Great Gatsby, and what was the other one? Uh, Whiplash. And Whiplash. Those are just by virtue of the fact that they fit into a genre and maybe some of them are a little more mature than others and maybe they're like they deal with very specific subjects you know like whiplash you're probably more like it's going to appeal more to music fans it will appear appeal to some people who aren't music fans but it's you know it's a drumming movie um interstellar obviously if you're not you know, if you don't like science fiction, then you're not going to be into something like Interstellar probably as much. Um, Great Gatsby, I would say, is a very, um, although a lot of people like it, Great Gatsby is a very specific taste. Like, it's a very mm-hmm. specific style of story and storytelling and, and genre. And so what I will say is those films, although I'll say the majority of those films I think are excellent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And certainly belong in the top 100. I would also say for each of those films, hey, you know what? But it's not for everybody, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? It's not. Interstellar is not for everybody. It's an incredible film, but Interstellar is not for everybody. And that's that's just understandable and it is what it is. For sure, yeah. Paddington 2, being kid-friendly, but also as an adult, I found it very funny. I found there was a lot of like humor that even as an adult I was appreciative of that I enjoyed um 
and the storylines and the whatever, just the the approachability of this story, sort of the wide-reaching universal aspect and feel of this movie, I would say that if you're the type of person that says Paddington 2 is not for you, it's that type of movie is not for you, it doesn't have to be your favorite type of movie. It doesn't have to be your go-to. But I would argue that Paddington 2 is a film that was made for everybody. Hmm. Right? Interstellar isn't. Interstellar is yep. made for, for a, a certain interest type. But Paddington 2, I think, is a film that I would argue feels like it was made for everybody. And if you're like, ah, oh, Paddington 2 is a stupid kid movie, then my appraisal of that would be, well, maybe you need to soften up a little bit. Maybe you <laughs> need to give it a chance. Maybe you need to tap into something that you haven't tapped into in a long time. Right? Um, even, in a, even in a sense that I wouldn't say for something like Mary Poppins, you know what? Maybe musicals aren't for you. Maybe you don't like musicals. Great. Well, Paddington 2 is not a musical. Right? It's kid-friendly. It's funny. It's cute. It's charming. It's emotional. It's well-acted. Right. Yeah. And it's got more depth in it than I think most children's movies... Like, it tries harder and actually emphasizes what a good narrative is and a good story and giving reason for the things that are happening and the motivations within the film, then I think a lot of children's films feel like they need to. Because a lot of kids' films, I think, go, wow, they're just dumb kids. Like, it doesn't matter. This will happen, and it'll be funny and goofy, and it'll look cool <laughs> on the screen, and the kids will like it. Whereas mm -hmm. this film was like, no, no. Like, what? We can't just do that without there being a logical reason for that happening. Hmm. And so anyways, that's, that's, that is kind of how I feel about it. Right. Is like, is interstellar a better film? Maybe. I don't know. You could say, I, you know, that it's subjective, but I will hmm. say that interstellar is not for everyone. Yeah. I do think Paddington two was made for everyone. And, that's and those that don't enjoy it are maybe just, I, I, I don't want to just say, like, it, my gut reaction is to say, well, if you don't like Paddington 2, then I think there's something wrong with you, because that seems, like, narrow-minded of me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, it's adjacent, how I feel is adjacent to that. It's, it's <laughs> you know, if you're like, ah, Paddington 2, it's a cartoon movie about a bear, that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, get over that and actually consume this film. <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's, there's something there for everybody. So, yeah. You know, actually, that's a, that's a good take. I don't think I have anything to say about that because I think that's right on. Yeah. I, which is I, why I think like, if you're talking about the greatest films, I think mm -hmm. that's why it would deserve a place higher than sure. a lot of the films that you would think are probably better. Because, Accessibility, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, you're like, okay, well, yeah, sure, maybe this is a more technically advanced film. Maybe it's got a better score. Maybe it's got a, you know, a whatever. It's got Leo in it. It's got, you know, whatever it is. And we'll get into the cast, because this is no scoff at a cast in this film. <laughs> no. Um, but, 
but I do think it's it it's probably better than a lot of those films because it's accessible, because yeah. it's it's wide reaching, because mm-hmm. it will suck in a a mixing pot, a smorgasbord of people that something like Interstellar just mm-hmm. simply will not and doesn't yeah. have the reach to do. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I don't too. know where else to bring this up because I'm I'm not going to refute anything you just said. I actually think that's a really good point and probably speaks to why this is so popular. But I do want to say something to one of your I don't know if it was your hot take, but it was a statement you made. I just I don't I was going to save this, but I, I it feels appropriate to bring up here just about you were talking about the ending and it being emotionally charged for you. I found the complete opposite. Really? I, I did. And I feel I feel where it failed for me was they really needed to let it breathe a bit more. They, like, elaborate on it. Let us see them. If you don't want to show us them spending time together in London, that's a choice. That's fine. Like, I would have been there for that. I think it would have been heartwarming. And I know you see pictures of it, so that's fine. But I think where it is for me is just give us a hug that lasts longer than literally if you time it out it's like two seconds and then the screen turns black and i think just the the presentation of that was probably like 90 cent of 90 percent of my problem with the ending but 10 percent was like the plot story of it where i thought the entire time they said aunt lucy was in a nursing home that was just a lie that she was either dead or on death's doorstep. Oh. Kind of like when you say to your kid who doesn't know better, oh yeah, old Yeller, he joined the circus. He's okay. He's just at the circus right now. And who when- says that? Nobody, did your parents, <laughs> your parents never fed you the, the he's running on a farm bullshit? Your dog, <laughs> your dog joined the circus? What the hell is what that? I mean, you know what I mean. What the hell is that? Excuse me? <laughs> so... Your dog's so, hanging out. Sorry, son. <laughs> I know you miss Rufus, but uh, him and the bearded lady are uh, <laughs> eating pork chops. Yeah, they're thick as thieves right now. They're they're practicing <laughs> swallowing swords, my son. Like what? <laughs> so the fact that just last minute the film practically pulls out of its ass that you know what, Paddington. Because no one else has ever had this thought before, we decided we'd fly Aunt Lucy here. And I was like, what in the actual hell? Like, if this is physically possible, why hasn't this been done yet? Like, the people that he lives with, why the hell wasn't that option number one for a gift for him to be with his only, like, living relative? The fact that they just sat on this till, like, hell and earth just come upside down that this is finally the time this is the time they decide you know what we should probably fly aunt lucy here it's not that it was physically impossible that she was dead or physically not probable because she was like on life support or something just that they just had never thought of it before like anyway sorry i just i so i don't have I, like i mean i don't have an argument against and i'm not know, trying I, to nitpick i'm just saying no, and why it didn't work for me yeah, I don't have a logical like. Oh well, this is why Aunt Lucy couldn't come. Um, yeah, b- but I will. I find it funny. I do you know how I know you're passionate about this this disgruntlement that you have? <laughs> because you said ass, 
And so the fact that you said ass and not like pulled it out of their butt, I know you're. I I know that you're fired up. So that's <laughs> that's good. That's great. That's great. Um, anyway, though, so, that's, okay. Just as a spoiler, that was from the section of underwhelming moments. How did it get right. to top one hundred? Okay. So let's let's go through the cast here a little bit because we've talked Please. about there being a, a sort of a stacked cast and some of these people um maybe there's people i recognize that you didn't yeah. maybe there's people you recognize that i didn't um so i'll go through the people who stood out to me and then if i'm missing anyone please jump in and tell me okay yep so we have just in voice form um as the uncle we have michael gambin yeah we have ben with shaw who plays paddington yep uh, obviously, we've talked several times now. We have Sally Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Julie Walters is in this as Mrs. Bird. She's Ron's mother, Mrs. Weasley. Man, we sure get... You haven't said the third one, and I'll let you get there, but we've got like the Harry Potter cast reunion here. Right? I will get there. Trust me. I will yes, get there. Yes, yes. Um, we have people like, obviously, Hugh Grant. And I'm going to tell you, I don't, you know, I've never been like a, a Hugh Grant, you know, like it's fine when he shows up and stuff. I don't get excited about Hugh Grant. My hat's off to Hugh Grant because Hugh Grant is fantastic in this. And this is the type of film, you know, you approach someone like Hugh Grant, you ask them to come play in this kid's movie. That's a role that I think far too often an actor like Hugh Grant would be tempted to phone in that role. <laughs> and he doesn't. He he took this role so seriously and really committed, and you can like it shows, it really shows. Um, obviously, as you were just alluding to, alluding to, we have Brendan Gleeson. Actually, Ooh. sorry, can I interrupt you for two seconds? Yeah, I think, and sorry, I'm just bringing this up, or I will forget it. So, I think the you Grant point is spot on, right? Because it's just, yeah, I think it's far too easy for this type of role at certain people's points in their career that, yeah, they just mail it in. And it really pays off dividends because in a film, in a children's film, family film, it's not like, yes, he's in some ways kind of one-dimensional that he's bad, but he's not a boring one-dimensional guy. No, he, yeah, he's a little mustache twirling. Yeah, but he's, but but he's got like, yeah. It's well-written, but more so well-performed. Yeah. And he brings so many aspects of entertainment in his role. Mm -hmm. And it's a very rich one-dimensional role. It's not complicated. I don't really empathize with him. I don't really you know, anything layered, but my goodness, is it still far more interesting than I'd say the average or the majority of children's films villains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, anyway, totally. I, I, basically I'm just saying here, here to what you said. The other yeah. thing, and I will kick myself if I forget, now I know where I recognize Sally Hawkins from. Okay. And I'm going to give a shout out to friend of the show, Marshall. She played in a 2016 film called Maudie. And that was with Ethan Hawke. 
and I believe it was set in Canada, maybe even filmed in Canada, I think in Nova Scotia. It's about a Canadian artist anyway, and I'm pretty sure it was filmed out out in the Maritimes. But that was that's the film I totally recognize her from, and I, I was just oh, okay. drawing blanks when I was looking at her filmography, and it would have bothered me if I didn't say anything. But please continue hmm. with the cast. Okay. Uh, then obviously we have Brendan Gleeson. Who's yeah, the, the Harry other Potter Harry Potter connection? connection. Yep. I love Brendan Gleeson and anything he shows up in. Like he's he's just so good. Like I really, really, truly, yeah, he's so good. We have uh, Tony Conti as Judge Gerald, um, who's just like another British actor who appears in all sorts of different things. Um, as Fibs, we have Noah uh, Noah Taylor. Who's in this? He's in Almost Famous. He's in um, The Life Aquatica. He's in... Um, he played Charlie's dad in the Tim Burton Willy Wonka film. Oh, um, he played uh, Bryce, the sort of guy behind the screen computer guy in the Angelina Jolie, Laura Croft Tomb Raider films. So he's like hmm. he's been around the block too. Um and so, yeah, those those are the ones that kind of stick out to me. Is there anyone that I missed for you? Not big ones. Did you say Richard Aota? I did not. I did not. I, I mean, he's a very minor role. It's more of like, oh, here, there is that guy. Um, yep. Still there, though. Still there. Still funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, I think you really hit the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Man. What a cast. Like, what? Again, like, and yeah. nobody phones it in. Like, it's not just Hugh Grant. I don't want to say, like, oh, Hugh Grant, you know, really stood apart in this, in that no. he took it seriously. Everybody, like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, Julie Walters is talking to a, a, a CGI bear and it's got so much heart and mm-hmm. it's got so much, like, yeah. Yeah, the performances really, I think, help sell this film. I look at a film like this, and this I don't have a point to saying this. I think it's just an observation. Where, what's the film that was really Oscar baity this year? Like Brothers of Inoshirin or... Inoshirin, yeah. Whatever it was called. <laughs> As you can see, I haven't whatever seen it. Oscar and film. The, the fact that I haven't committed it to mem- the memory. The film that won, honest. like more oscars than anything else what was that called what was that what was that <laughs> piece of so shit good. called yeah <laughs> my point is as i stall and just hope that it shows up here oh the banshees of inner sheer and there we yeah go. yeah the brothers <laughs> Same thing. Same, same thing. Same difference. I mean, I think the Academy acknowledged that it was a sad excuse of a film. So that it, the fact that you don't the know the bre- title is fine. The the brethren, whatever. I the think brethren, it's just yeah, an the brotherhood of inner something traveling brotherhood. Yeah. I think it's still just interesting that you have this actor Brendan Gleeson, who is in so many films. Like he's not starving for a paycheck. No, and. He's in such high Oscar Beatty, you know, highbrow stuff that A, if he needed the money, he could just mail it in or B, he would just say no because he doesn't need the money. And I think there's just something to be said that 
uh, all the other actors, I'm just picking him out of the blue, but there are other highbrow actors here, but I'm just picking up him where he is just in this children's movie, gives a 10 out of 10 performance, very committed, very fun role. And I, I think there's just something to be said to like, maybe that's just part of what these actors are seeing in this script and why they're signing on and wanting to be in it is just because of what this offers. And one of the reasons maybe of things that it offers that you mentioned is just that it is just a, uh, kind of a, it's for everyone and successful and it, because it just deals with this concept of just a benevolent character wanting to make the world better, wanting to be with the people that are in his world and making it better. And that's very relatable to anyone who watches this, whether it's Nicolas Cage or my neighbor down the street. So I think that's just interesting, just using him as an example of uh, reading into him being in a kid's movie like this. I feel like... I feel like every actor that was in this film even even the bit like Julie Walters and Sally Hawkins and Hugh Grant and Brendan Gleeson, I feel like everybody treated this film as though it was the biggest and most important acting job they'd had yet. Like, mm-hmm. just really yeah. went for it and really understood the specialness of the story they were telling, which I think speaks volumes to the script, right? Because I, I don't think, I don't think someone like Hugh Grant or Brendan Gleeson went like saw Paddington one and went, my Lord, if there's a sequel, (laughs) I need to be a part of this. Right. Right. So the script and the story that's being told is obviously one that, that drew them in. Right. Mm. So yeah, I have listen. I made notes, and I don't normally make notes. Interesting. Yeah, I sat there with a note because I was like, I don't know, this is like greatest film ever made, right? <laughs> so, like, I, I better be writing some things down. So I've written some things down. Mm-hmm. One is the opening sequence, mm. the the rescuing sort of the brief telling of the origin of Paddington, and. It's sort of a a quick little whatever, but it's so important to this story, I think, because it springboards into this film in an emotional way, Hmm. in this, this really justifying for you and giving you the backstory of how much Aunt Lucy has really done, of the debt of gratitude that... Hmm. Paddington owes to Aunt Lucy. Mm. And that, like, I'm guessing at this point, Paddington's only been in London. Like, I don't know how long it's been since the first movie passed, maybe a year, right? Paddington hasn't been there long. And it's been painted that Paddington is the reason why Aunt Lucy never got to go to London. Mm. Her dream was to go to London. It's always been her dream. Yeah. But then, sorry, pal, you know, we can't, we're not going to London anymore. And he's like, well, why? And she's like, because we have a cub to raise. 
and she she did the thing that that so many great mothers do, which was my dreams and wishes and the goals that I have no longer matter. Hmm. It's 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 the dreams and goals of my of my cub. Hmm. Right? I'm going to give them I want them to have the life that I have always dreamed of having for myself. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, it's like such a good like springboard into <laughs> this film. Mm-hmm. So I really liked that. Visually, like Paddington never looks bad. The the CGI in this, I'm not gonna say hmm. he's a photorealistic bear. Well, no. But I thought but you he, don't need that. No, and I thought yeah. he looked good and Simple things like I'm sitting there watching this pop-up book animation scene where Paddington and Aunt Lucy are like traversing Mm. through London and it's in the pop-up book setting. And I'm just like, this is an expensive sequence. Like I'm sitting there looking at this going, wow, this is visually stunning. It's interesting to look at and it's really well done. And it's just this like fun yeah. artistic no, storytelling concept, right? And the film does that several yeah. times, whether it's like a really creative yep. cut from one scene to the other or, you know, whatever it is. I've got actually written further down on my list, I've got the prison diorama. When the mm-hmm. prison break first starts and the little diorama, the little model of the prison opens up and you see the cross section with all the cells and stuff. And the mm. prison break begins that, and that's the way they transition into that scene. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so creative, and it's so well done. Mm. It's so well done. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that. Yep. No, I was in. Good. I was in stitches. <laughs> I was laughing so hard during the barber scene with the hair clippers really? gag. Oh my gosh, I love that. Like he turns him, he's okay. like, oh, you know, I'm right, I'm, I don't, I'm not the barber, I just clean up. And he's like, yeah, 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 that's all I want. Like a little off the top and a little <laughs> off the sides and, right. you know, not, don't touch the front or whatever. Mm. And he just like, he turns these clippers on and whether it's him shaking or the fact that, you know, then he, he answers the phone and his voice is shaking because of that. And I just, it was so, and then he's on the phone. He's like, you know, I, sorry, I, you know, I can't really talk right now. I think I'm about to shave a customer. And then the thing, like the cord falls short. So he's not able to do it initially. Like it Mm. was just, I really, really, really thought that scene was hilarious. Like, and I think that's one of the beauties of film because that scene just wasn't there for me. I think just, wow. uh, of the two categories, this was a little bit more underwhelming for me, the not top 100 category. Okay. And I think that just, it was just a bit too slapstick for me, and it just wasn't my cup of tea. What did you think of the gag then? Because another gag that I really, I was like, this mm. is a predictable gag, but it's being executed beautifully. Sure. Is when Paddington starts, he's in the kitchen, and he's about, he's he's... It's the joke about how heavy the sacks of oranges are. And so the guy's like, well, then, you know, take them one at a time. And Paddington's like, okay. And he, he's one juicy orange, <laughs> two juicy oranges, <laughs> three juicy. Like, I, what did you think of that? Because that was another one that had me like I, bent I over I was, laughing. 
indifferent to it. I don't think I I didn't mind it, but I wasn't laughing at it. Really? It was okay. Okay. All right. It was okay. Yeah. Um, something I wrote down here, something that like really grinded my gears. Something that I was just like, it was, oh, it was heartbreaking to me was the fact that every time Hugh Grant found a clue, he defaced the book by writing it into the book, by like scratching oh. it into the page. Right. It just like bothered the hell out of me. I was like this super old, like really historic, fun book that's right. in this antique shop and you're just so money focused. Like you don't care about the history of this book at all. Mm-hmm. And that was such an important dynamic in this film. Like I think yeah. the thing yeah. that sucked me in over and over and over and over and over was Paddington's moral compass and his innocence. The fact that no, he, the, the fact that there was a treasure, Paddington doesn't care, but like that means nothing to him. means nothing to him. The most right. important thing to the world, his number one wish is to get this book. And not because he thinks it's cool, and not because it's worth a thousand dollars, but because he believes that that is the nicest gift that he can get for his aunt to show her the appreciation for everything she's done. Yeah. Which is the same thing at the very end when that hug happens. Paddington says the, per- the, the script is perfect. The line is flawless. Because all this stuff has happened and he's hugging his aunt and it's, it's not, I can't believe you're here or I've missed you so much or, you know, any of those things. It's, happy birthday, Aunt Lucy. Mm. And it just, it got me, man. I was like, ah. Oh. Like, it was just, I it was so good. It was so, so well written. Yeah. So well written. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do I have anything else for the judge being... I loved the judge being put in his place. I loved the judge in general. I love that... <laughs> I love that... Paddington is is sentenced by the guy whose hair he messed up. Mm. That was a great gag for me. And then the fact that he shows up again and that his wife Gertrude puts him in place. Right. Right. She's like, she's like, Gerald, I want you to shush. And he goes, Yes, yes, Gerald. Or or yes, Gertrude, or whatever her name was, right? Like right. yes, yes, Gertrude, dear. <laughs> like he just like realizes he's overstepped. He's he's gotten a little too powerful in his overbearing masculine patriarchy role that he has. Right. Um and then the other thing that I wrote down that I really thought, like, oh, you know what, this is genius writing. This is so well done, and nothing in this film is done without nothing in this film is done without purpose Mm. right so like jonathan wants to be cool and so he's given up on trains that's introduced to us very early on he's hiding his love for steam trains well his love for steam trains saves the day and allows him to have this moment where he's like my name's not j-dog it's jonathan something brown and i love steam trains (laughs) and that paddington like As Mr. Brown says, Paddington looks to find the good, find the best part, the true heart in everybody, and that he brings it out in them. So there's that. There's the fact that the daughter... Hold hold on. I I do want to stop you there, because this is something else I fundamentally feel the polar opposite about 
especially like, particularly with the sun. What? I feel I actually sorry. I feel the same with you that it could have been a cool moment. I just feel it wasn't developed properly. I I labeled it in my notes as the forgotten plot point with the brother. That wow. It seemed like it, it seemed like maybe in an earlier edit or screen or a earlier rendition of the script it was meant to be more of a larger plot point just because it seemed metaphorically going from like planting a seedling seedling to then cutting to the next scene and you've got like a 100 year oak tree planted there it really just seemed like it was missing some development missing some contrast so then just it went from the point of like him hating trains to then jumping to the end like i feel like for a bit more of a natural progression, we needed some more touch points, probably particularly with Paddington, with helping the boy try, try and re- retrace his roots of what he's passionate about and finding the good in things. So oh, I feel really? like it had shades of trying to do something cool with it, but it it felt a little forced or kind of uh, not connected in you know what's crazy? how it was presented. I think that what you're, for me, what you're proposing would have killed it. Well, and I think you could easily kill it, and that's the fine line between beating something to death or making it too like you in a movie. You don't want the side plot to be too focused, but even just maybe just a couple little touch points, like just maybe Paddington is walking through the kitchen, sees J Dog doing something kind of you know not genuine, and Paddington just says something light and in passing, and you just see our our brother. Maybe have like a little pensive reflective moment and you go, huh. And and then that's it. Like just like a 30, like a three second kind of moment. And just like a couple things like that, just to see maybe our character in the brother changing to then coming to the end. Because to me, it just felt like so much stop, 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 and then go. Like it just was I, like, okay, why have you changed? I'll give so you a compromise. I'll give sure. you a compromise. I think I would have been sure. good with Paddington walking through the kitchen and saying something to him. Sure. But I think I still would have wanted his response to be completely closed off. Because to me, what made that scene so powerful was mm. the fact that it wasn't, oh, you know, I've kind of been thinking about being Jonathan again anyways. Right. It was... That in a mo- in the moment where his friend, his brother Paddington, hmm. needed him, he realized this act that I've been holding up, this mm-hmm. this person I've pretending to been pretending to be, is not me, and and kind of a- I am just going to. So for me, the whole mm. stark contrast was right. crucial, and is it what was made a kind it. of a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. Yeah fair or i maybe don't see that but i see dreams, the merit but, yeah, i see yeah. the merit in what you're saying um less impactful but still was like an important setup and then follow through was um that the sister is into like printing press stuff right and that was instrumental because then that's where they were printing all these posters to mm, figure out right who, you know who the guy was um so there's that there's mr brown doing his like yoga-esque thing. And that to me was great because yes, it pays off sort of, 
because he still needs to be, he's still, the gag is that he, you know, he's still old Mr. Brown and he needs to be pulled up and it did not help him in the doing the splits between the two trains situation. (laughs) But they still call back to it. They still make a thing out of it. Um, The biggest thing for me, the biggest callback that I thought, man, this movie, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't just throw things at you. It really sets it up and feels like a well-rounded setup and, and then satisfying execution is that Mrs. Brown has been (laughs) training for swimming. She wants, she's been searching for some sort of adventure. And so she thinks that swimming from the UK to France, which I'm sure people have done, it's probably, you know, Mm. quite a, quite a lofty thing to try to embark on. But this is something, you know, she's been training diligently in swimming. And so when the moment comes that, that she's gearing up, she's like teeing up to jump off this bridge. I was like, oh my gosh, here it goes. Like this is why this this is this is the fate. This is why Mrs. Brown needed to be training up for swimming was so that when it came time to rescue Paddington, it made sense. It made sense that, you know, she's adept to holding her breath a little bit longer and she's able to swim down there as efficiently and effectively as she can. Yeah, I really I I thought the setup and payoff in this film was was nonstop and and I really applaud it for that. I think I think I would agree. I think her payoff was great and I loved that element. And I think I had a lot of fun with just this sub um plot point of the husband having this midlife crisis and it wasn't too much like it wasn't distracting. It was just very yeah. fun. He's and wearing face masks. Just, He's Yeah, and just know. even these flashbacks of him in his glory days like throwing balls at the fair like uh, every component of him whether it be yoga or the flashbacks i thought it was just done tastefully that it was just a fun aspect to his character and it wasn't too much yeah no i would agree with those things yeah so what are some things that didn't work for you i only have you're gonna be happy i have one more bad thing to say and then the rest are good because we've covered the slapstick barbershop the the problems with the ant for me and um the problems with the brother plot point. I think, I think, hmm. They're actually quite minor, to be honest. They're the, I think I've burst the bubble on the bigger things. They're very minor. I think there was a bit less tension for me when there was the underwater uh, stuck in the car component because I, I just felt like we've, seen him be so ambu- like malleable and fit through the grinding gears of a clock, but he can't fit through this pretty sizable gap in the door of the train. So I was like, come on, man, you can squeeze through that. And um, there was just a kind of a plot point where it, I think just, I'm not, I feel weird saying this because I think it's just, it's a kid's movie, so you got to ease up. But just when the shop owner was talking about, wow, this assailant walked past all these other valuable things and strictly took the book, they must have known it was, you know, worth something more valuable. And they they took it as like, okay, this is going to help us vindicate or like it's our starting point to, to proving Paddington 2 was 
was really innocent. And for me, that is almost more of a damning, uh, a damning plot or fact where you go, okay, this clearly sounds like the musings of a bear who just didn't understand that he could have had much more and just went for the thing he wanted. So I did, I, feel like I did think of that. Yeah. I, I, I listen of all the, of the other things I think I want to hang my hat more on. This was just, you know, it's a kid's movie. Move mm-hmm. on from that. I can't believe I didn't mention Jim Broadbent who plays Mr. Gruber, the shop owner. I love him and everything. Did I mention him? I don't think I yeah. did. Uh, because he's also again? a Harry Potter connection. Yeah, Jim, Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. Yeah, maybe I maybe him? I thought you said him, but I maybe yeah. You didn't. Professor Horace Slughorn. He's in the Borrowers. He's so in. How many, so how many uh, Harry Potteries do we have? Is it just the three? Uh, Michael Jim, Gambon, Brandon Gleason, four. Jim Broadbent. Who's the four? And Julie Walters plays Mrs. Weasley. Oh right. So yeah, it is the four. Four Harry Potter connections. Yeah. At, le- at least. At least. At least. <laughs> it's quite possible that there's, you know, because they're all like they're British actors and stuff, right? So it could be like, yeah. oh, you know, the guy that was one of the, the, the prison guards or whoever was actually the one of the guys working in the Leaky Cauldron. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've pulled a lot from. From that, I'm gonna kind of do a quick little search. You tell me the other little nitpicky things you have. That is it. That is it. I the rest is all good okay. stuff. So if you're ready to be so, cheered so, up. so he, yeah, hit hit me with some good stuff then. Okay, the big st- the the good stuff is actually more big picture. So that might be good news for you. I found another connection. Um, who? Uh, the woman that does the voice of Aunt Lucy is Dolores Umbridge. <laughs> that's hilarious five we're up to five harry potter paddington 2 connections jeez yeah <laughs> dolores dolores umbridge yeah she's the worst she she really is yeah um oh and there's an actor who played the postman named joel fry not from harry potter i just recognize his face Okay. There is uh, maybe someone somewhere knows him, but um, I'm sure. I statistically, <laughs> maybe his mom knows who he is. I feel like that's yeah. Um. Okay. Let me. Do I want to start big? Or do I want to start start small? Start small. Build up. Sure. Okay. Uh you listen. We talked on you, Grant, being incredible, an incredible villain, very complex in its own way. I think something else this did that was different than other children's films was the visuals. I can't think of another children's film mm. that had such an artistic uh, stamp on it from a cinematography and color palette perspective. I found another one. Sorry. Who? <laughs> um, Jessica Hines, who plays the newsstand mm. woman that ends up falling in love with the colonel, she- which... I also loved that. I thought that was great. That was cute. She plays Mafilda Hopcrick in <laughs> Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. But still, yeah. it's a connection. That's six. It's, yeah. Jeez. You should have forgot for formaldehyde or whoever you said yeah. it was. <laughs> for mild, yeah. For, 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 for mildehood. I can't even say it now. Yeah. Yeah. No. For sure. Um, But yeah, I thought the color palette and the cinematography were great, both on the actual 
live action segments. There was also just some really artistic elements where there was like, I don't know how you'd describe it, but it was like a artist rendering rendition of like the burglar in the shop and like it just kind of cued to these different visual sequences. And again, just for a children's film like this, it definitely had like an artistic feel to it. So I was mm, I was just shocked yeah. by that. And I thought that's a feather in its cap. It's um, so pleasant to look at this film. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, from a setting perspective, I just love this film being in London. And it reminds me of just like the absolute love for like the mundane components of, of London. You know, it's not like, okay, every sequence takes place on Tower Bridge or every sequence takes place at like the Tower of London. Yeah. You know, it's just it's like Big Ben and it's, you know. Yeah. It's no, it's here's this normal residential street. Here's this, you know, little shop. Here's this, here's that. Here's a barber shop. It just is a bit more toned down and i i think i just loved it like i feel i felt like just kind of like an escapism of a film where i felt like i could just walk into the street and like start talking to these people and quite literally start talking to a bear like it just didn't seem out of this world and i loved the backdrop of like the residential london i loved that Mm -hmm. and i i I love that conceptually just i would i would go there right now if i could and if it was free and if i didn't have a job and if I was rich. So you've been there, right? You've been to London? I, twice. Twice. Yeah. I was saying, actually, hot take. I was telling my wife this the other night. If I was given, like, if I could only go to one of these two options again in my life, either New York City for the first time or London for the third time, I think I'd go London for the third time. Really? It's just, like, they're very different, and I understand why people get excited about New York. It's not that I'm saying there's nothing worth seeing there. I think just London is just so different because it's kind of like New York. You know, it's got its version of Times Square. It's got, like, it's just got everything. And you've got, like, incredible world-class plays and and sites and things, but... Yeah, but it's like a whole different world. It's a whole different world where, like, you can rub your hand on a wall and be like, hey, this is literally where shrapnel from the the blitz in world war ii went off this building and then you go across the street and the, the building you touch which was literally like when the romans were there two thousand years ago right like it's so much history so much history and like i remember being at a museum and like there was like this one exhibit of like these were the things that were drenched out of the the thames river and like you've got like again like world war ii relics and like old helmets from like 1066 and i'm just like where else on earth can you like drag a river and get just like so much world history in one little spot. So I think it's just all those things mixed together. And I get New York city, like it's got history. It's got world-class things as well. It's just, I think London and the United Kingdom is just like a bit more of a switch on, or a bit more of a unique flavor of like culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, you know, listen, I did, like, I'm not trying to cramp on the whole ant ending scene. I thought it was emotionally powerful. It just didn't quite hit for me the same way as it hit for everyone else. What did hit for me was the whole sequence where Paddington thought his family had forgot visiting hours. And you see him panned to this um, being alone in the visiting cell. Uh, Before that, that too, like that, that led to that. But just being sitting alone at like the glass phone 
and just waiting and for his family not to come. And there was just yeah. this shot of just like such sadness and disappointment, which then led into the sequence you're talking about where he's laying there in the tears and then the forest. And again, ble- bleeding into the visuals, like just where you get this 360 view of like him talking to his aunt and then just all of it washing away. That sequence for me hit emotionally. Yeah. I, I will yep. I will say it was it was great. The final thing I'll say, and I'm just going to use this as an example, the jail escape sequence. I honestly, again, for another reason, I thought this movie was so different than literally every other kid's movie I've seen. It was so Wes Anderson-esque, where you've got the, the, the side panel of all four cells at the same time, and all four convicts, get, convicts getting up, and you see them all jumping down at the same time, and you see them going throughout the whole jail. Like, everything about it was just so smooth and interesting, and yeah. it all worked so seamlessly, uh, and then it all just, like, with with Paddington going through the gears of the clock, and apparently that was, I think there's some significance to that. I think it's like some Charlie Chaplin It's reference. a Charlie Chaplin, yep. Is that right? Because then apparently, like, I saw Paddington rub a mustache off, like, dust off his face at the end, and I think that was, like, a bit of a head nod to, like, Charlie Chaplin yep. there. I'll send, I'll send you the YouTube video of mm. what that's referencing. It's, like, okay. it's, it's probably the best known Charlie Chaplin. Oh really? I thing. see I yeah. can't picture it. I've I only read about hey this is a reference. I wouldn't have recognized it. Yeah, super but iconic. This whole yeah, the whole jail escape sequence was just so Wes Anderson-esque because visually it's so pleasing. It, it works seamlessly and it just like slowly builds its way up to being like less and less and less believable, but it's not a problem because it's just so whimsical and magical that like by the time they're in this hot air balloon, like you're just like part of this visual and crazy experience that you're just like mm-hmm. so invested in it. And it makes sense because this is a world where the talking bear where just the unbelievable yeah. can happen. Where no and one's just, freaking out by no. the sight of a talking bear. No. And so everything from beginning to end of that whole sequence just felt very artistic. Yeah. Very well done. Very in place. And just when you think about it being in a kid's movie, just artistically, it really holds its own. So that that sequence I will just use as an example of how this film is able to achieve things artistically that, like, you know, Paw Patrol 4 couldn't touch. For sure. For sure. And, like, just, like, thematically, too. Like, the things that happen in this film, right? Mm -hmm. Think about where the majority of... Think about the, the the majority setting for Paddington in this film. What what children's film does that? <laughs> and and has jail, him you mean? and yeah, and it has him there yeah. getting threatened by big thugs right. and by like it's it's in the depression that he has. And I swear I'm yep. innocent. And and yep. like it's it's just where and so argue- many children's films will take this kind of low-hanging fruit. It We don't really care about developing a compelling story because it's for kids and kids aren't sophisticated enough and kids are like, it doesn't matter. Whereas mm. this, this, they don't, you know, which is comes back to my, I think it's made for everyone. Whereas like, this is a film, like I, I, I would 100% say that if you as a parent were to take your, child to the movie theater 
<laughs> and and watch this film with them. And you walked out, and your impression of this film was that this film was strictly just for kids and there was nothing for adults in it. <laughs> you're an idiot. Then yeah, you're an idiot. You're missing and something. you've you're... totally, I don't know if you were asleep or you were on your phone or what <laughs> right. you were doing, but you're a bad parent. <laughs> and like, it's, yes. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Tell me how you really feel, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Like, even just the fact that you're pointing out that a lot of this film just takes place in a jail. It doesn't feel, I don't know, just visually, it doesn't, it doesn't trap how bright or interesting this film would be at that point. Like, I'm just thinking of like the long shots in the jail where visually it's still bright. Visually, you have like all the characters sitting in a row kind of just in an entertaining way and like interacting with, um, oh, what is it? sorry brendan gleason knuckles? knuckles yeah knuckles and and just it doesn't get bogged down like you said kind of in a no. depressing way in a in a visually boring way and just it all kind of feeds on itself and just kind of fuels itself up i, I think that's a good point where else could you have well, a movie that's set in a jail or and even still just be so bright and vibrant even just the fact that five minutes into him being there because of a screw-up of his, I thought the scene was hilarious and well done. Mm-hmm. For the rest of it, everybody's in pink. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it just lightened it. And I, I think that maybe that was, not only was it a great payoff for a fun gag, but mm. I wonder if it was a very conscious decision to, cartoon, to animate a little bit the, the setting and to maybe bring it back down to a less mature feeling a little more child friendly setting mm. i don't know honestly but, and the, yeah. the specifically the jail outfits as well turning pink reminded me of like some type of grand budapest hotel or some type of wes anderson yeah yeah yeah, yeah, touch yeah. To it. but yeah 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 no that that's all i got that's all i have all right well on a scale of zero to ten for the very first time in season four of the movie man podcast Mm-hmm. A scale of zero to ten, how would you rank Paddington Two? I can't believe I'm finally asking you that. <laughs> I'm quite confidently giving this a six out of ten. It's above the midway point. It's not quite great or good for me, um, but it's not bad, and it's above you know being on the fence of like, eh, was it good? Was it not good? It's solid. You know, a six out of ten, a three out of five. No matter how you cut it, it's still solid. Um, I think ultimately the unique also answer how I'll give ranking this movie. Is it in the top 100 films of 2010s? I'd say probably. Honestly, we were both kind of wild and upset. And when you think about it, like a hundred movies is a lot of films. Will I say it's top 10? No. Would I say it's top 20? Eh, but top 100, absolutely. Like, there are, I would be hard to find all, like, 99 films that were better than this. You know what I mean? Like, 100 is a big number. And so, by the parameters of how we were introduced to this movie being good, which was a top 100 list, I can quite easily say, sure. It might be 98th on that list. It might be 47th. I don't know. But I still think it's top 100 of the decade easily. So, mm-hmm. still kudos mm-hmm. to this film. Yeah. What 
do you give it out of 10? Because obviously I'm assuming it'll be quite higher. It's a nine. It's nine out of 10. That's, that's some high praise. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually finding myself excited for the prospect of Paddington 3. Do you think there's any cheapening of like what happens in 2 continuing the story? Like just... What do you any, mean? Th- I, I think just like... How, if the series were to end with how it ends with him saying happy birthday aunt and, and like that's how it ended permanently do you think that's more powerful than like potentially going continuing on the story is there anything there to what i'm saying no i don't think so because it, it that's so often i think because quite often a movie will end and you'll be like oh that's perfect don't touch it mm. right don't continue just end it that way and I think that's when there is a really satisfying, what feels like a really satisfying bow or a really satisfying button on a character's story. When it feels like a character's story has come full circle. But I don't feel like that's what happened here, right? Like, sure. I, I, I don't feel like it's crying for more. But I also don't feel like, you know, this this wasn't the story of Paddington, right? If anything, sure. that could be said about the first one. Now Paddington has a home, and he's accepted into his home, and his family loves him, and blah, 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 right? That's more of that button ending on Paddington's story. Whereas this was the story of Paddington, A, being wrongfully accused, and B wanting to find the perfect gift to show his appreciation for everything his aunt had done for him. And we got mm-hmm. the perfect button on that. But sure. but it, it it wasn't like a, you know, something about it just wasn't, didn't for me scream, and then they all lived happily ever after. Like, there's still, ro- <laughs> there, do you know what I mean? There's, like, there's still There's more room. to tell. There's, There's more, more to tell. tell. I mean, now, yeah. like, is Aunt is Aunt Lucy just here to visit? Does Aunt Lucy live in London now? Like, there's more shenanigans yeah. and misadventures and stuff for Paddington to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what makes his character so golden, is that Paddington is not a mischievous character. He's not that, like, I'm going to do things... Because I'm mischievous, and those are going to get me into trouble. He's the most innocent, moral guideline. Like, like honestly, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that if you, from this moment on, set out to base your moral compass and your personality in the way that you approach friendships, relationships, interactions with strangers, what have you, if you set out and you said, I'm going to base everything <laughs> on the character of Paddington, specifically in Paddington 2, I think I think you'd be in really great shape. I think you'd be a <laughs> I, I do. I think you'd be a hell of a human being. Um and so that yeah, it's I think that's what makes him so compelling is he ends up in these situations, but his moral compass is so strong. Right, it's mm. not an immediate yes to break out of prison for him. He's like, no, that's not what my aunt Lucy would want, mm-hmm. and it's and not a few things. A few things had to kind of align for him to fi- finally be emotionally weak, or or well, he had to feel like he had no other it. option. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that he was helpless, and that mm-hmm. and hopeless, and that his his family had abandoned him, mm-hmm. and that he he had nothing left to lose, right? And he still wasn't even doing it for. It wasn't like a well, screw the system, I don't care. It was this is the only way to clear my name. Yeah, he was still it, there. Was an innocence in that that these that these guys were going to help him clear his name. Mm-hmm. right that it was still justice it was still the right thing he was doing the wrong thing in order to achieve the right thing and find the true culprit you know but yeah. not out of spite for that culprit it was never oh, i hate the person that did this to me right it was always it it, it wasn't when he was chasing Hugh Grant's character after the robbery, it wasn't, oh, you son of a gun, you're going down. <laughs> it was, that's not a very nice thing to do to Mr. Gruber and Mr. Gruber's mm-hmm. shop. Right? Like, it was, he's just mm-hmm. so, I, yeah, I fell in love with his character in this movie. <laughs> really, truly did. Nine out of 10. <laughs> uh, yeah. What'd you watch good. this week, sir? Uh, I watched basically two things. I put a bow a couple weeks ago. I talked about The Departed. I finally decided I gave it a six out of ten. Um, and we went through the genesis of the origins of that movie being face off. And you got to check out that conversation if you really want to make Brady's ears bleed talking about face off. Um, listen. I continued on in the series of Jurassic Park. We have reviewed oh. the original with uh, the Maters, and I finally got around to watching two and three, and I scored two and three. So listen, two I, is so good. Don't mess this up so for good. me. Two is so good. Well, okay, you you dropped that you might even think it's stronger than the original. For context, I gave the original eight out of ten. I gave the Lost World Jurassic Park a seven. It's That's still fine. good. It's good. It's yeah. still good. It's just a hair down. By the time they're running around in San Diego, I'm a little fatigued by where they're going with it, but it's not problematic for me. It's just I'm let's let's I I'm I've I've heard what you need to say with this film. But it's still good and an incredible sequel. Love the love the acting kind of uh brigade that they bring with like Vince Vaughn and um Oh, what's the female lead's name? Uh, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Yep. A lot of lot of notable faces. So yeah, yeah Vince it's a, Vaughn. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. I mean, obviously Jeff Goldblum. Obviously, but, but yeah. yeah, no strong cast, strong plot. Um, Steven Spielberg was still involved. So and the soundtrack for the number two one was just as good as number one. Very good. So seven out of ten. And the final thing I watched this week. Not is good the 2001 jurassic park 3 oh it's bad it's not (laughs) it's not okay listen it's not garbage i gave it a five out of ten it's it's not it's not like it's hot trash it's listen if you want to talk hot trash talk about what would it be five and six if we're counting them one through six jurassic world Dominion and dress. I don't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even call five hot trash. But six is 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 like flaming vomit. Like it's just (laughs) five. Five is warm trash. Which six is combusting trash. Which is just it's in it's it's like really grasp what I'm saying by flaming vomit because (laughs) 
because you need to put a lot of effort in. Like oh, it's. Man. Do you know how much work it is to light vomit on fire? Like that's you really have to have poured all of your sock into this film. So yeah, number three, you know, you get the return of Sam Neill, you get the return of uh, Laura Dern, you've got uh, William Macy, um, you've got some a good cast, um, you've got the bones of an interesting story. But it does have some elements that are veering from what made one and two strong. Um, not just, I'm not being a snob, but like Steven Spielberg is quite clearly not commanding the ship and it, and it shows. And just some of the decisions that they made from a story perspective. When they start doing the whole like velociraptor voice chamber blowing into it and communicating with the raptors, I'm like, okay like okay i don't know about this like this is a little too far for me so it's still better than a lot of the films in this series but it's still a long ways down from how powerful one and two were so that is what i watched this week Mm -hmm. yeah what did you watch this week cool you know I don't think I watched anything. Fair enough. No. Fair enough. Just busy, man. Just like Life. worked a lot. And then it was, you know, it was Mother's Day and it was like, mm-hmm. you yep. know, just stuff going on. Yeah. Got no plans. And then this is a busy, busy work week coming up here. But we got plans. Friday, we're going to hop back into the MCU and keep trucking. <laughs> oh, on. no, that's not true. I watched, listen, I, it's not true. I watched the first episode of and it's like an hour and 20 minutes long so i'm going to say it counts i watched sure. the first episode of the last of us which is the pedro pascal hbo mm. show yes. it's done now it's out but it, like a couple of weeks ago when it was airing it was like the water cooler show right oh, everyone was talking yeah. about it really big deal i've never played the game i don't know the story so i'm going into the show blind um sure. Only watched one episode, and wow. Wow. Like, listen, I'm not I'm not this, like, automatic zombie person. Zombie things no. typically don't do it for me. I don't, eh, eh, I don't yeah. care about zombie movies. <laughs> this, like, you know, they spend the first three minutes or five minutes of the film or the, the episode sort of with this, like, flashback to the 60s where you've got these scientists sitting on this, like, talk show, and they're mm. talking about you know, the the type of thing that could happen in medical science that would cause a very devastating worldwide epidemic and be a real problem and affect human behavior and stuff like that. And the things that could lead to that someday in the future. And and mm. if it did, how bad it would be and stuff. And, and it is just right. such a smart, like so often zombie things are like, ah, it's zombies, accept it. Mm. Right, ah, it's a virus, or ah, people are real sick, or it's you know, it's <laughs> whatever. People are, it's an infection. Whereas mm. this was like really smart. It was <laughs> really smart, and and there was a couple of moments where things happen in this first episode. I won't spoil it. There was a couple mm. of moments where things happen in this first episode where I paused it, turned and looked at Brienne, and I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I cannot believe they I can't believe that just happened. 
Jeez. Like, wow. Oh, yeah. Jeez. It is. It's it's something I've else, heard, and I can't I've wait to keep going. Yeah, intense in a good way. In a good way. Yeah, I would recommend it. It's 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 crazy because it's so good that you want to keep watching, but mm. I don't think like I I would I defy you to to show me the person who is completely mentally intact and would be able to binge this show. I don't think you can binge it. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to watch it and then kind of decompress, decompress. for a couple of days or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So intense, but so good. So mm. good. Cool. Wrap it up for us, sir. For the for well, the very first time in the three hundreds. Wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us today. Please continue along the ride with us. Like, follow, subscribe, give us a good rating, a good reviewing. Um, reach out to us, whether it's just a like and a comment, it's free, but it really helps uh, bring attention to the show and it gives us some good feedback. We appreciate it. Check out our Patreon page, our merchandise page. It's ways for you to help support the show, help us pay the bills and help the show grow. We appreciate every single one of our patrons, every single one of the people who have supported us in merchandise or Patreon supportage. And it's ways for us to give you some perks back, whether it be the occasional bonus episode and bonus voting. Again, thank you for for all our uh, your support and until next time where we review movie news or do our next vote or our new release stay tuned i yeah three three hundred just <laughs> it's just hitting me now i know i've said it a lot <laughs> it's just hitting me now we're like halfway to 600 <laughs> It was like 300 times that I could have been doing something else, but instead I was doing this. <laughs> and I'll leave that up to you to decide whether that those are happy tears or sad tears. <laughs> <laughs>